0: There needs to be like a stand-up kind of bit where someone's like telling it from his perspective. It's like, so I thought this was gonna be great, and then I just kept digging the hole. And I'm like, what do I do now? Do I have to be the fortune teller forever? Will she marry me as the fortune teller? See, <laughs> what? She's a lesbian. I could be a lesbian. I could do that for her. But then what happens on our wedding night? <laughs> when she finds oh out, and I have to take the costume off. This is too far. I have to do the reveal. I have to do the. Reveal. <laughs> Well, hello, Lillian. How,
1: how's it going? It's going so good, Piper.
0: It's oh, good. very Jane Eyre weather out here. I don't know if it is where you're at. We've had periodic bursts of cloudy and rainy, but then little pockets of sunshine that quickly run away. So It's been stormy and dark here all day, Ooh, um, which
1: was perfect because I had a lot of book to finish this morning. <laughs> Nice.
0: <laughs> uh, what book are we talking about this week, Lillian?
1: Well, we're talking about Jane Eyre's this new
0: novel. Oh my God! Ever heard of it? <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of Jane Eyre? And if not, hello, welcome, welcome. to the podcast. This is Airbuds. We talk about Jane Eyre and Jane Eyre ad- adaptations. So, but
1: this is a very specific Jane Eyre
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that is. I'm going to call manga. Because Mm -hmm. I did a Goog, and Google told me that's what I should say. But some people also say manga, and it's the Mm -hmm. same thing. It's just, I think, the Americanization of it. um, Yeah. Calm down, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Japanese graphic novels. Yes. And this was baby's first manga uh, Mm -hmm. for me. But for you, it was not.
0: No, I so I've, I've watched more anime than I have read manga. I do have a couple of books and a couple of series. Um, And once again, it follows the same pattern that I have when it comes to movies and novels, which is if I see a movie that I really like, and I want more content for that, uh, I then go and get the original book to read. So the manga that I have are for two of my favorite uh, animes. Um, nice. One of them is Princess Jellyfish, which, if anybody here enjoys romance, slice of life, fashion, questions about like cross dressing and gender fluidity it's beautiful it's just the most wonderful manga you 've ever seen in your life and best anime you could ever watch. so that's an early recommendation is go do that. but I have a few Princess Jellyfish books, and then I also have. Um, a couple of books from the series, The Ancient Mage's Bride, which is a cool, nice. spooky, like kind of monster romance story. So, Fun. yeah, yeah,
1: I have minimal anime experience, despite my brother's very best efforts. <laughs> um, and I, but I did when I was a small child. And to give you guys an idea of the, how long ago this was, I would um, get the VHS tapes from the library of Sailor Moon. Cute. Um and was very into Sailor Moon as a child and I forget about it all the time and then somebody asks me if I watch anime and I'm like, I was real dedicated in the early 90s
0: <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's a great way to have your foot in the door because pretty much anyone who loves anime will be able to talk to you about that and be like, oh my god, yes, Sailor Moon so totally yeah but I'll see clips of it and I'll be like I forgot that this knowledge just lives in a dusty corner of my brain <laughs> <laughs> um I hadn't read a Jane, or I haven't read a manga before that was an adaptation of Western literature, hmm. and this is apparently a series um, that this like publisher does. Yeah, because uh, in the very back of the book, which is also our front of the book, because as you know, manga is read from right to left. So you begin at the what looks like the they back have, to us.
1: They have instructions, which were very helpful for me. You open the book on the way that an American would open a book, and it goes, oh, honey, this is the back of the book. you got to go to the front of the book. And then they have a little cartoon that goes, here's how to read this book, Lillian. It's very (laughs) helpful. put my name in there and everything. It was great.
0: Wow, so personalized. So this comes from Udon Manga Classics, and they also have a Jane Austen uh, collection, including Pride and Prejudice, Emma, and Sense and Sensibility. Um, some of these, it seems they're like coloring books as well, Fun. but then it looks like they also just have them as mangas that you can read. We also have Les Mis, uh, Pride and Prejudice, as I mentioned, they have The Scarlet Letter, very interesting, Great Expectations, and then those other Austin books that I mentioned so and
1: after reading this I truly might get one of the Jane Austen ones because it's so fun yay um I spoilers spoilers for my review I (laughs) loved this I had a blast reading this it was so much fun I've read a few graphic novels but not a ton and it it's always I mean that's the fun of this show right is like Mm -hmm. we get to go experience this same story in these different ways and we pick up, I, I find that I pick up these really subtle things that I for sure wouldn't if I didn't know Jane Eyre so incredibly well, that mm-hmm. it spooks me a little bit. There's, <laughs> at some point, I will reference a specific line where I noticed they omitted one word. And oh I was gosh. like, funny, guys.
0: <laughs> Dude, no, I had the exact same sensation when reading this too. And it's to the point where If I'm like reading these things now, I always hear Timothy Dalton's voice and his like (laughs) delivery because their version was very true to the novel. And this was essentially like taking words from the novel itself and putting it into the manga. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel you.
1: Which I really, I really, really like that because I think it makes a class. Like I like the idea of taking classics and putting them in this format because it makes them more accessible to a different kind of audience. Like yeah. so people like us who've read the book get to enjoy a different facet of this same story mm-hmm. and people who are intimidated by something like Jane Eyre, but find manga to be more approachable mm-hmm. because it doesn't have quite as much reading. And that's a bit more intimidating. Maybe it's I think people at a younger age or people who just don't enjoy reading tomes
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might enjoy this. Absolutely. So we talked before doing this episode that um should we do a recap or not? And Lillian had a great idea that we should maybe just read the recap that's included in this novel. And I believe this comes from so it's uh the person who wrote this is Crystal S Chan and she I think was probably the lead in charge of like adapting the story itself they and probably to her a as lot the of
1: adapter, which I enjoy.
0: Very nice. That's awesome. So according to Crystal, um a- 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 Jane Eyre tells the story of the heroine, Jane, and her experience growing up as an orphan dependent upon resentful relatives and later working for an upper-class family as a governess, where she falls in love with employer, Mr. Rochester. She encounters many obstacles, but stays within her moral character, remaining true to the faith she developed during her difficult childhood. The story not only captivates the reader's emotion, but also encourages introspection on topics such as faith, love, destiny, and goodness nice well done crystal good 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 summary
1: solid summary
0: Mm mm-hmm so Lillian you've already said that you really liked this Mm -hmm. any other initial big thoughts that you want to just throw out there before we dive in pictures pretty (laughs) jokes (laughs) joke's funny (laughs) lines good I think, so the fact that this is anime and not, or the fact that it's manga, um, this Mm -hmm. Japanese art style, and not just like any other kind of like graphic novel where someone could come in with their own style. And that's not to say that different mangas don't have different styles. Of course they do. But when I look at the art of this book, it feels very familiar to me to like Mm -hmm. other manga and anime that I've seen. Um, And I would say that Jane's design feels almost like chibi-ish they have her and a chibi art style is when it's kind of more like a larger head, big exaggerated eyes, um, kind of to make someone look sort of cute and small. Um, uh, I'll try to remember to throw in I definitions. I ask you because you may have seen my
1: face. I like, did. You're like, what does that, that mean? <laughs> Guys, a vocab lesson. <laughs> Welcome to Piper Teaches Lillian Words. Uh, two episodes in a row because we also had you describe a bunch from fan fiction. So cool. Amazing.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I, and I wouldn't say that her style is completely chibi because that's a very uh, specific thing but there are moments whenever they have like a funny little like interlude and suddenly the style will change from the characters having more of their kind of like their arms are longer they're more kind of like elegant to suddenly they'll be like squashed down into these little like versions of themselves to have like a cute funny moment and it's Mm -hmm. almost meant as an aside so it was really cool to see uh those kind of like manga narrative techniques like popped into this classic story uh so that was fun to kind of see how that came through
1: yeah it was one of those things where I have sort of a passing familiarity with some of these what these this art like means in that like I could look at Jane's face and be like oh she's like a good sweet character and then you look at Aunt Reed and you're like she's a mean lady Mm -hmm. and I couldn't tell you specifically what elements like you were able to break down in the art But like, there was a lot of that. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there is the way that they use this format to play into the humor of Jane Eyre by Mm -hmm. leaning into some of these manga tropes was really Mm -hmm. fun for me. Um, There's some moments, particularly later in the book when she's with Rochester, that is very good, that adds (laughs) like this layer of they can it's it's very much that like almost dramatic irony of like we're seeing these characters make this face but it's not supposed to be like the person is making that face it's supposed to be a way that we're seeing their inner feelings about the situation
0: that they're in exactly and it's so good (laughs) (laughs) no it's very cute um so yeah just seeing that style come through Um, I think my other note about that is because this is a very beautiful art style, I feel like this is kind of similar to when we watch a movie and they've cast two gorgeous (laughs) Hollywood superstars to be like, oh, we're ugly. No one would love us. And it's like, shut up. You both are gorgeous and handsome and adorable. So, yeah. Okay. You're unattractive. Sure.
1: (laughs) Here's my favorite fun fact about these two, the way they drew these two people the whole time I'm reading this. What Rochester very tall Jane very short. I'm like Piper is blah 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 loving it.
0: I um, am. I was <laughs> so happy about that.
1: It was so good. And then I got to the end, and the artist in her notes said that it's based off of the actual heights of the adapter and her husband.
0: It's so cute. Oh so my God. cute. They need to like <laughs> include a photograph to be like, see? <laughs> Look, they're the same height
1: and their hairstyles are the same.
0: Okay, so I'm glad that you mentioned that note at the end, because that's another thing that is fairly common in at least the manga that I've read, uh, where at the end of every book, the artist slash author will usually kind of put in like this cute sort of little extra kind of sketchy comic style, kind of like note to the reader. Mm -hmm. And in some of the books that I've read, it's usually kind of like a life update, which is I think really interesting. So like, In the serialized books, like Princess Jellyfish, for example, I just finished one of uh, the newest one that I got. And at the end, there's this cute little comic strip where it's the illustrator and she's like, hey, sorry, uh, it's been a while since I put out a book, but I went to South Korea and I fell in love with this pop star and now I'm obsessed with him and I'm flying out to Korea every chance I get so I can see him in concert. Anyway, new book coming soon. Love you. By the way, do you like my outfit? And she'll like draw a little picture of herself wearing this outfit. It's just like the cutest little thing. And it's a fun cute. way, I think, for manga authors to like really connect with their their readers it
1: reminds me of that's so cute i absolutely adore that um there's a few book series that i read where it, a lot of books will have like a note from the author at the end where they'll talk about the process and all those things i usually don't read them one of the exceptions is um in a lot of the serialized um romances that i read where mm-hmm. like it tends to be this is about one couple but then there's a whole world and by the end, everybody gets married. Or if you're Ruby Dixon, you keep people keep ending up on this abandoned planet. <laughs> oh my gosh, just for like That's various reasons, for like super normal ones, like they're clo- they're illegal clones, you know, classic <laughs> classic normal reasons. But Ruby Dixon is one of those authors that like. If it's the authors that write something like every two months, she's the one always apologizing for being like, I'm so sorry, guys, my March release is going to be late. I'm like, Ruby, you write a book every single month and sometimes they're very long. <laughs> oh I gosh. don't understand how you do it. <laughs> but that feels very similar to me where it's like, you feel like you're in the author's life mm-hmm. and it adds to that parasocial relationship. Yeah. Um, like a podcast. Exactly. And we you guys on our lives, but we have a real <laughs> relationship with you and we're friends for real. Yeah. We <laughs> love
0: you guys. Um, so if we're going to start by talking about some of the things in like the beginning of uh, the story, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's standing out to me, and I have uh, my book here and I'm just kind of flipping through. So- I think a lot of what we're going to be focusing on in this discussion is just like visual choices that were made Mm -hmm. because so much of the dialogue was taken like directly from the novel. Um, And one thing that stands out to me with an illustrated style of telling Jane Eyre is that it's an interesting transition between young Jane's character design mm-hmm. to older Jane's character design, because where in a movie or a TV show, they hire a child actress and then they get an adult actress. And mm-hmm. here it's simply, you know, they draw her with slightly more adult-like features. But I think one of the other interesting narrative choices in this medium is that the children are usually portrayed with like their long hair worn down and then mm-hmm. when they become more grown up they have their hair in these kind of updo styles um and now as i'm even saying that aloud i'm realizing i think it's interesting that like i think it's kind of implied that the more sort of like refined women that we see in the book they have these like more like you know carefully constructed updos but then we the women the adult women who we see with their hair down apart from jane when she's like you know in her personal time in her chambers is Blanche has very long, like worn down hair. And then also Bertha is drawn with her hair down. I think that's very interesting to think about those visual kind of comparisons and what it says about those two women and their characters in the story.
1: Yeah. I think Bertha's character is something I want to talk about a lot more, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think Blanche, she has, it's so clear that like, it's one of those things where, I always find it so interesting to talk to you about art like this because it's those nuanced things that I'm like, yeah, Blanche was like real pretty and extra. And then you're like, because her hair was more intricate and long and down. And (laughs) and I'm like, she was also wearing a dress and it had like stuff on it. (laughs) Um, But I think that is really interesting because Jane, they also did a really interesting job with Jane's hair being up and down. And the moments that it's up versus the Mm moments that it's down. And it is also, I have such hair. I've had really long hair before. So I know that this book is a lie that's lying (laughs) to me. But I'm like, if my hair could do that, I'd keep it
0: long all the time. Right. All these beautiful cascading waves with like the perfect little curl that flips out here and there. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't. uh, (laughs) If you get envious of hair drawing, then don't check this out because it'll be like, oh, why can't that be real?
1: Just just know that that's not how it's going to happen. And we're all just living in a real world. And it's unfortunate, but true. And don't (laughs) grow out your hair because it looks good in a picture one time.
0: <laughs> what I'm thinking too, because I, I liked uh there was also a note at the end of this book where the author said that um she said, I enjoy drawing curly haired characters in this adaptation. And she even has little questions like which hairstyle do you like best? As if yeah, like which hairstyle do you like best, Piper? <laughs> um, I did really love uh Blanche's like raven black curls. Um I thought that was a very pretty just design. And it actually made me think of in the original Peter Pan, the way that they described Captain Hook's hair. Oh, that nice. It looked like he had black candlesticks hanging from his head because they were those tight curls, just like it's drawn here for Blanche. So I thought nice. that was really cool.
1: Do you have a candle going?
0: Uh, No, I have uh, my desk light lamp on. Oh, okay. I thought I
1: I thought I saw smoke for a second, and I was like, is it, like, (laughs) really going? (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) listeners, if Piper left that in.
0: I'm just burning some incense over here, man. Um, But yeah, I feel like just in comparison of, like, how they're portrayed in these social settings, the fact that Blanche has her hair that way, it kind of says that she's not only, like, vain in, like, showing off her beauty, but Mm -hmm. also I think it's meant to imply something of, like, her own immaturity, perhaps. Mm -hmm. The fact that she has her hair down in that way to kind of... Be like, look, I'm still youthful, even though I'm an old 25. (laughs) (laughs) Verge of death. Anybody who's
1: single and over 25 (laughs) should just
0: give up now. Seriously.
1: (laughs) For our listeners who don't listen every single time and don't know, I'm 29 and very, very single. (laughs) And very youthful
0: and full of life. (laughs) Uh, Sure.
1: I didn't wake up (laughs) from a nap right before this. I'm an adult. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so one of the next things that I want to talk about is uh, Pilot. Are you ready to talk about the dog? I want to talk about her
1: getting to Thornfield because I absolutely loved the way that she explores Thornfield Mm -hmm. is so it reminds me so much of when we talked about that section in the book you talked about that idea of like really loving the idea of them walking through this house and you have a much more visual imagination for those things than I did and I was very struck by like I was remembering your comment about that as I watched this because as I read this because I was like this is what like this is such a great example of being a true adaptation without necessarily like, this is what they captured that feeling of like walking through this house and finding all of these like nooks and crannies that felt so special. Like they have um, this picture, this one section, I'm looking at page 71 in case somebody has this or if you're Piper, Mm -hmm. Um, but they have this one page where she like sees the door and she's like looking up at this big house and she's been wandering around Um, And then it zooms in on some crows that are around a nest. And like, Mm -hmm. it's this that simultaneous feeling that we talked about when we read the book of like, it feels grand and yet cozy, because the spaces they spend their time in are cozy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's some of that, like, almost magical element that Thornfield has that any place that you there's, we all have special places in our lives, right, that feel magical and cozy, <laughs> whether mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's a big mansion, sometimes it's your grandparents' house, right? Like, totally. it's just that space that feels special to you. And I think
0: that's hard to capture. And yeah. they did a really good job of doing that here. Lillian, I love that observation. Um I obviously <laughs> admired these kind of like background setting drawings, but I didn't linger on them very long. And now I'm definitely going back and studying them. And I think one of the reasons why there is potentially so much great detail that's included in these like background and location drawings is because this is something we haven't really talked about, but in the significance of the story, Thornfield itself is almost like a character. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's a setting, but it like, It'd be really interesting to do an episode where we sort of talk about, like, what Thornfield means to different characters, yeah. where for Bertha, it's a prison, it's a painful memory for Rochester, for Jane, it's the first place where she ever felt her opportunity to just, like, be more than what someone thought she was, and all yeah. kinds of things. That'd be fun to kind of explore.
1: Thornfield character study.
0: Yeah, yeah. I also loved, because one thing I did notice is that pretty much any time there was an outdoor scene where Jane and Rochester were talking and he's being a mysterious goofball, and then he will like, you know, say something sketchy and then look at the house, they always focus on the top level mm-hmm. of the house. So very cool.
1: Yeah, which it, they, there's a parallel to that later. In addition to us knowing that birth is up there, mm-hmm. um, there's also a moment later that, um, I at the top of the house and its construction becomes very interesting to me. Allusions yeah. to later in the episode. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um okay, ready to okay. talk about a, a puppy? Yes, more than anything.
0: Okay, so first of all, I remember when uh, in this same kind of section that we were just talking about, when Jane arrives and she's talking with Miss Fairfax, the artists did a lot of fun stuff with showing this like cute little fluffy cat that -hmm. would just go from like sleeping on the couch to jumping onto Miss Fairfax's lap. And it's just like kind of always moving around the scene and like doing cute things. And it almost became like a, you know, I spy for (laughs) where's the cute animal this time. So when we later see Pilot and uh, Mr. Rochester for the first time, you know, he's there as this big dog and they talk about the guy trash and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the best thing ever is like later in the scene when it's Adele getting her present. And mm-hmm. as Rochester is like having this very serious, again, I'm a mysterious man conversation with Jane to learn more about her. Like in the background, there's all of these scenes of Adele and pilot playing together. And <laughs> it's the cutest thing because at one point here, she's like riding on the dog's back, riding him yeah. like a little pony. Um, um, and then when he's like, okay, it's time to go to bed, both Adele and Pilot give him a kiss on the cheek. So it's like she's giving him a little peck and the dog is licking his other side of his face. So cute. It's adorable. And then also there's another image here where uh, he's examining the artwork and it looks as if Adele is trying to get in to get a closer look and he's like pushing her head away. But then like <laughs> Pilot is right there too. It's so cute. It's so good. It's This
1: is such a cute like all those like cute Adele and pilot things that we like that like Rod how I don't know even how they like really did this but they for sure did that like a Rochester is teasing Adele but not in like this the text of the it's all in the pictures like Mm -hmm. his relationship with Adele is very much like the 2006 that we talked about we really liked that he's mean to her but she's okay with it because she's not like insecure about it she's like fine that he's teasing her yeah um and it's all like he's he's like he's pushing her head away but he's like kind of ruffling her
0: hair he's not like Mm -hmm. pushing a child to the ground or something yeah Yeah, because when she's like when she and the dog are both giving him kisses he doesn't look horrified or disgusted he's just sitting there with like a slight furrow of his brow to be like okay
1: (laughs) very Rochester covered in bows that we talked about in our Christmas episode Yes,
0: cute. reluctant but here this time just covered in kisses (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Um, another thing I want to note on specifically at the um meeting rochester on the way to thornfield mm-hmm. um because pilot is such a good boy in this um and they do such a good job of drawing him like from a distance running so he looks mm-hmm. spooky but then he shows up and it's just like the most innocent being. yeah um but this is the only time which i think she might wear it one other time but this is really the only time she wears a bonnet. Mm-hmm. um which is interesting to me I get that it's probably hard to draw um but it's just not like very true to uh Airbuds adaption so that's mm-hmm. my only negative uh so far she
0: has <laughs> a full fur muff which there's just no way oh totally yeah who gave that to her that would be expensive <laughs> she hasn't even met him yet yeah I think she also wears a bonnet with a veil when she returns from visiting her aunt Who's oh, who's dead? No. So. Yes <laughs> no, no, she doesn't
1: wear a bonnet. Let's talk about this now. It's important. She wears a hat, That's okay. terrible <laughs> Wait, it's like on. I'm one turning of those to the like page Barber shop quartet hats, like it oh looks my God. like it's like straw hat, like half an inch flat. With, like, a brim situation. Yeah, it's and like a, a little derby. Yeah. For no reason. It's <laughs> so bad. I was like, why? why would you give her this and not a cute bonnet? She wouldn't have two hats like this.
2: <laughs> what
0: a weird choice to make, anyway. You know, I think it was just a fashion thing. I'm sure the illustrators just wanted to, like, draw a hat in that style. And so they did. Because, like, yeah. that's, like, such a big thing, I think, in looking at these character designs is uh, storytelling through the costuming mm-hmm. of how they design people. So like I'm looking at the page now 193, where we first see Jane in her uh derby with a veil. And like <laughs> right up above you see her two cousins. Um, eliza and georgiana and the stark difference of like how they're designed like tells you everything about them where eliza has her collar buttoned all the way up to her chin with this enormous cross on it because she's about to go become a nun somewhere mm-hmm. and meanwhile georgiana has like a she's very buxom and she's got like <laughs> all these bows like all in front of her cleavage and stuff and she's like i'm gonna go find a wealthy man who can provide for me so bye she's
1: also <laughs> another character with her hair down which is yes, interesting she is yeah, her, her uh, Blanche, and um, the crazy lady from the attic. Bertha. Because <laughs> I forgot. her. I forgot Bertha. That's why I called her the crazy lady in the attic, is because I forgot her name.
0: Lillian, I think I have to revoke uh, 10 Airbuds points from you for that blunder. <laughs> We've had a point system this whole time, guys. Surprise.
1: I'm ahead, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm
0: in the negative. <laughs>
1: Um, I fully forgot that we so any our regular listeners know that we have a running joke that we don't say Brocklehurst we say Mr. Broccoli yeah and I forget that that's not the normal thing to do and then I do (laughs) things like post on our Instagram and instead of saying (laughs) Brocklehurst I say broccoli and then I show it to someone and they're like Lillian, as a someone who knows you in life, you did a typo. Oh, like, no, I didn't do
0: that <laughs> bad of a typo. It was my mother. That's that so me. funny. You're like, mom. Maybe if you listen to the podcast, God, <laughs> not even a fan, our fans did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, do we want to talk about the burning bed
1: scene? um More than anything, I do want to talk. I do want to reference just a tiny bit um about the. Uh, fireside chats because I think they're so well done in this Mm -hmm. Um, obviously that's great dialogue and it's so fun because we've talked about the fact that this isn't a space where we get a lot of description of what they're doing Um, and that's another one I think it's a great example it was the first sort of intro to me in this book of what the exaggerated expressions we're going to be to reflect mm-hmm. people's inner emotions. Cause there's multiple times where Rochester is yelling and Jane gets like these little fake stress like, sweats. sweats on yeah. her face. And I find <laughs> them very funny. It's so um, good. But yeah, I really loved being able to see that and having those background scenes like you mentioned, and then getting to see this sort of like flash, uh, not the flashback to Celine quite there, but the the different moments with like, Adele coming in in the dress, and mm-hmm. that again, you mentioned that fashion story, and it made me think of that. I just really loved these pages of like getting to relive because that's such a fun part of the book that is hard to put in a lot of these adaptions because it's just these two people sitting in a room having a conversation. Um, So it's often trimmed down Mm -hmm. and to have what I think was most of that conversation um, and get to reread it with this visual
0: added to it was really, really fun. Absolutely. And I think that must've been an interesting kind of almost creative challenge to be like, okay, because as you said, it's just two people talking. How do we fill these panels with interesting content to look at Mm -hmm. and it's a combination of you know showing them kind of zoomed out so you can see more of the room itself focusing on what's happening in the background with like Adele and Miss Fairfax just having different kind of like moments of closeness to the expressions of our two main characters yeah it's very fun to see how they kind of navigated that and kept it interesting so here's a question
1: that I have for you yeah. That may just be like, oh, it's easier to do that. Or like when things are in the background, you have to lose details, you do that. Mm-hmm. But there's a few instances
0: where characters don't have eyes. Yes. Yeah. What is that? so I haven't actually like researched this to give like a full for sure answer. I think it is mostly simply kind of a tool that's used to say, you know, these are not characters that you're supposed to like really focus on. They're not the center of attention. So removing like the eyes from their face kind of makes them look a bit more like out of focus. I think Mm -hmm. almost if you were like kind of squinting at a scene where there's a bunch of people. Um, So you don't need to see their specific features. You just know this is a person who is like in this moment. So yeah, we have like, for example, when Rochester is telling the story about Celine, there's a picture where you can see his face in clear detail. And Mm -hmm. even though Celine is like leaning against him and is in the same like depth of field, she doesn't have as many features. It's just like her mouth that you can see. Mm -hmm. And I think it's meant to kind of say like who she is isn't really important. It's more like the role that she's playing in the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just used for that kind of narrative tool. And it's often, Mm -hmm. I think, used in kind of both flashbacks to be like, oh, this is something that we're recalling from before. So you can kind of separate, um, you know, present from past tense. But I think it's also a tool that's used in like large crowd scenes when you're only supposed to focus on the people who have distinct characteristics. And if everyone else just kind of looks like a mannequin in the background, that's just the part that they're playing. For sure.
1: Yeah. No, that's so uh, that's sort of. The vibe that I got, but it is one of those things where it's like the other things I was like, I understand what this means. And I was like, is this a specific, is it to spook me? Do the (laughs) maids have eyes to scare me specifically?
0: (laughs) You see, I fell in love with a woman with no eyes. And then one day she had the nerve to bring home a man who also had no eyes. Cruel. But let's okay. talk
1: about the fire.
0: And we see uh, Mr. Rochester shirtless uh, in a couple it's of scenes. So important,
1: and now <laughs> because we've talked to Layla, we know that that's not true because it's uh, he's not wearing he's not supposed to be wearing pants. That's historically accurate. The other thing that I want to mention before we get into um, sexy Rochester um, <laughs> is. They put it was just like the tiniest little thing that I really adored is Bertha's laughter is mm-hmm. so well represented in this. It's just like creepy murder font. Yes. <laughs> and it's just
0: But sometimes it's ho ho ho. <laughs> um by the way, my mom and my aunts often like I wouldn't say they tease me about it, but they always pointed out that I apparently... They think I laugh like a cartoon character sometimes because I will <laughs> literally go, hee hee he, hee And they're like, you actually say hee-hee-hee. And I'm like, what do you want me to say?
1: <laughs> well, it's always... It feels like it's when you're doing a pretend laugh. <laughs> I know you well enough to know that laugh. Yeah. And that's your... See, I'm laughing at this. It's like a punctuation situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes for sure. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to stare at you blankly. So I figured I'd give you a hee hee hee. (laughs)
1: Lots of times it's when you're making a joke and you want us to know you're being a silly bean. And I enjoy that.
0: Oh, boy, I like this analysis of, of how I interact with people. <laughs> yeah, you
1: guys, the next episode is going to be about Piper as a person. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we got shirtless Rochester. They gave him some muscular definition. He's not he too buff, but he, he's not a, a piece of paper either. Also, um, Jane saves him fully. Woohoo! He's
1: passed out and she uh, drowns him a little bit
0: yeah and they did um what i've always hypothesized it has jane here thinking to herself the smoke has stupefied him that's yes. why he's not waking up and i'm like woo theory confirmed thank so, you so it's so easy to do and the movies never do
1: it because they want rochester to not burn to death like an idiot <laughs>
0: it's way better to have this kid save him and splash him with water. And he's all like, oh, I'm drenched and I'm wet and I'm flustered and turned on. Why are you in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little scene where he's like drying his hair in a very classic anime style. They're definitely making him look attractive here. They
1: also, he just like, here's what I love about that. Cause it is very classic, but he <laughs> a had a towel just there. Yeah, and then B, the first thing he does with it is put it around his neck mm-hmm. and just use one hand to dry his hair. Yeah, just the <laughs> little backs of the hairs,
0: because you can't it's frumble the, the top of your head. Way
1: to do it. So it's <laughs> the best way to do it. Here's the thing: I don't disagree that Rochester would realize Jane was there and then do over-the-top things to be trying to impress her.
0: Oh, totally. Like just gonna like doing a hair flip or two. Be <laughs> like, oh, you stay here where it's safe. I'll go check out the danger. <laughs> (laughs) don't move he gives her his
1: cloak which is love wonderfully like envelops her
0: yes it's very good the size difference is very keen here i feel like i love that they really seem to like emphasize that in different romantic moments and if i may make a comparison that requires a jump in the story the money flirting scene in this was so good and it's very it does a lot of what we've been talking about, where they'll kind of change uh, animation or illustration styles to have something a bit more goofy to show like how much fun they're having in this moment. But it goes from that silly moment to then suddenly he's literally doing the thing where he's got like one hand like braced on the wall, like around her as he mm. kind of towers over her. And you're just like, "Ooh, baby, feel that tension, man. <laughs> yes. Very it's good. So good. <laughs> Visual storytelling. It's what I love, the same
1: one it, looking at, um, it's page 121 and is the fire and then 184. They have very similar layouts on those pages where it's like the center of the page is a large picture of the two of them where you can see that difference. And it has that one where he's sort of pinned her up against the wall. And mm-hmm. then all around it is those little detail things that we love so much, like Anybody who's been on the internet and seen anything around the female gaze, there's a lot of hands. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I and it's such a period drama thing. And it's such a, like, the importance of this holding of hands is yeah. something that is easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do such a cute job of just, like, having this moment of these two sit, standing together surrounded by that hand holding. And then it does a similar thing of like zooming in on their individual eyes and expressions mm-hmm. while he's towering over her in that other one.
0: It's so it's very good. good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The composition of a lot of these like emotional moments is handled very well. And as we, since I've kind of like moved past this one section um there was another thing that you made me think of when you talked about how in one panel it showed like the vast grandeur of thornfield and then focused Mm -hmm. in on a cute moment of these like birds kind of roosting on the roof there's a similar moment when rochester comes to fetch jane after mason has been attacked Mm -hmm. and he's asking her to bring the sponge and the essentially like salts uh to Mm -hmm. help him stay awake and it just has as, like, he's talking to her, you just see a close-up sort of illustration of these two objects, and it's just a very interesting kind of way of focusing on that sort of thing. It almost makes me think of how, like, a Wes Anderson kind of classic shot is, like, mm-hmm. very focused on certain objects sometimes, and it's just an interesting, you know, way to tell yeah, a story and focus for on sure. things.
1: sure. I think we've talked about Blanche some. I don't really have a ton else on the guess, although... Okay, I was going to have us switch to talking about the Mason scene, but there's a really important scene in between, which Mm -hmm. um, we have talked about a word that is used in Jane Eyre a lot. And we had a lovely reminder on Instagram this past week um, and a a solid suggestion for a replacement because we have talked about the fact that we don't have a replacement. Their suggestion is that we refer to it as a fortune teller scene. Fortune teller. And I think that would be great. So from now on, we're going to do our best to remember to do that. Um, And not use a word that um, people don't don't like and is bad because it's a slur.
0: (laughs) So um, the
1: fortune teller scene is top
0: quality. in this. (laughs) Yes. Another thing that you can do really well with this style. um, If you don't know the story and you're looking at this, I don't think you would immediately think that's Rochester until the costume comes off. But it's
1: so but like you can see that it's still his eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so good.
0: I think my favorite addition to this scene is that after he takes the costume off, he gets stuck in it and she has to help him take it off because he goes from like this very saucy drawing of himself starting to take off the disguise and he's like, well, Jane, do you know me? To suddenly he's like, there's a string in a knot. Help me. Ouch. It hurts. It hurts. (laughs) She's like, hang on, hang on. I'm helping you take off your dumb disguise, you big meanie.
1: And it, it captures so well that, like, moment that we talked about in the book of, like, what were you doing? Like, what did you think was happening right now? He's like, I thought it would be a fun joke, and I was really hoping you'd say you love me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> every but- time, I'm sort of hoping that every time I walk out of a room, you turn to everyone and go, I'm so in love with my boss. Mhm, mm-hmm. And I just want to, like, be there for some of that, right? I mean, is that, isn't that what girls do? They have girl talk, and they're... So <laughs> maybe you want this Fairfax?
1: That's all you talk
0: about? You
1: whisper it to Adele every night before she goes to bed? I
0: figured maybe you want to have some girl talk with a complete stranger, who's actually me. <laughs>
1: And just a part of me likes the idea of Rochester being in this scene and he starts to realize what he's doing and how <laughs> weird it is. And he goes, <laughs> I have to tell her. <laughs> Listen, it was a fun joke and now it's feeling really weird. Oh my God. And gosh. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> Jane, I- it's me. <laughs>
0: Dude, there needs to be like a stand up kind of bit where someone's like telling it from his perspective. It's like, so I thought this was going to be great. And then I just kept digging the hole. And I'm like, what do I do now? Do I have to be the fortune teller forever? Will she marry me as the fortune teller? <laughs> She's
1: a lesbian.
0: I could be a lesbian. <laughs> I could do that for her. But then what happens on our wedding night when she oh, finds God. out and I have to take the costume off? This is too far. I have to do the reveal. I have to do the <laughs> <laughs> okay, so proposal scene.
1: Uh no, my, Mason. Oh, what what do we have to say? He he gets bit. It's uh, so funny. This is the funniest Mason scene I've ever seen. It's so yeah? good. Tell me the, why. The I love so on on page uh 171 is one of my favorite panels in the whole thing, which is Jane's little expression when Rochester tells her she's leaving. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. <laughs> it's the best Jane Jane because we've talked about the fact that in we watched all these adaptions and there's all the lines like um do you <laughs> faint at the sight of blood and he's like and she's like not that I know of and he's like that's a norm this is a normal question normal response and, I'm, <laughs> oh, and in the book she's like I got a little thrill and in this book she just like fully freaks out. Her eyes get real <laughs> big and she's like, I don't love this. And I'm like, thank you.
0: Yeah. No, it's very cute. Um,
1: also, Mason is such a little bitch and he's, he's barely in this and they do such a good job of making him a little
0: bitch. He's a little whiny boy. I also love how when like he comes to the house and Jane is thinking about him, she's like, well, he was he was rather handsome. And I'm like, he looks the same as all the other guys <laughs> in this style, but... <laughs> um yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah we get the flower then, she has yeah, money they 40. have a conversation
1: or to talk about her hair she has a braid that's very cute when they got in the garden mm-hmm. money flirting great we've talked about yeah very they really give it that space it needs they go very fast through aunt reed's death which i also enjoy hooray she comes back in the world's dumbest hat <laughs>
0: And then it's time to walk through a garden and have Yay. a man uh gaslight you until he admits his feelings.
1: Yes. <laughs> Which involves multiple full page drawings with like Mm -hmm. flowers through the air and kisses and it's so so good
0: oh I do love it um I think yeah from both the let's see what page is this um from 198 and 199 which Mm -hmm. we have some very beautiful moments because one it has one of the best most iconic lines of all time where she's like do you think because I am uh poor obscure plain and little and then immediately he like everyone else who hears that line is like holy shit that was amazing can't help but swoop her into his arms and steal a kiss it's very good very good and then i love how like the next page he's kind of like cradling her against this him. this was
1: the one that i was like oh yeah this is this book is for p cleavey it's the one so cute like her head is like fully below his pecs as he yeah.
0: holds her. <laughs> no it's very good there's also like Her kneeling above him and then sitting in his lap. Mm -hmm. And again, we have, like, moments of, like, a very beautiful, like, intense drawing to then suddenly he's being a little chibi as he's like, God, pardon me and metal not. And then (laughs) that's an interesting interpretation of that line, because I feel like that's always been done in a very, like edgy gloomy way to be like no one will take her from me and here he's like hooray i have Yay! a wife don't don't get in my way because we're going to the altar because
1: i think it makes her response line make more sense of mm-hmm. if he's dramatically yelling to the heavens god pardon me and, meddle <laughs> not. and her response is nobody's gonna meddle with you you silly little goof you like, little goose. That's, <laughs> that's one of the moments where i'm like jane stop willfully deceiving yourself please mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think also uh, it's pretty cute the moments afterwards, the way they illustrate like him being cute with her. So mm-hmm. like, you know, spinning her around the next day. There's lots of touching in these scenes of like cradling her like face and like raising her chin and all that good classic romance stuff that we love. Yeah. Um, And I really liked how they handled uh, the tearing of the veil moment, too, because we get a full look at Bertha, and she's Mm -hmm. horrifying. Terrible. In a beautiful, wonderful way.
1: Very spooky.
0: Very book-accurate Bertha. Yes. And they have like made her pupils kind of like the size of a pinprick. And then there's like a lot of like these sketchy, angry little lines which are drawn around her eyes. And that kind of like conveys this kind of madness, which is great. But again, if you don't know the story and you see this character, especially with what Jane is saying, where she says, let's see, that's not a servant. Who is it? I have never seen such a person at Thornfield before. So it immediately removes the possibility that it's Grace Poole. Um, and then she wakes up and she yeah, has this, you know, kind of thought, oh, it was a nightmare. So I feel like, especially in this medium, you could take that at face value and say, mm-hmm. this was a weird dream that Jane had um, and not an actual person. Especially
1: with Rochester's immediate gaslighting afterwards. Where he's right. Like, oh, it was like a half dream, half reality. Definitely Grace Poole, but you were sort of asleep. Like, that would be how you draw that. Like, mm-hmm. and that would be how you would represent her sort of having a dream and imagining a monster. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really, really well done. Um, I also loved um there was one other moment. Oh, um, I just want to allude to the fact that he gave her pearls because there's a thing at the end that we have to talk about. So the pearls are in it. The pearls are a big part, the pearls thrilled about it.
0: (laughs) Very good, very good. Important to note. Um, how in love are you with Jane's wedding dress? Um, I think they did it. I don't love the multi. I don't
1: like that. She looks like a cake.
0: Yeah, it's very ruffly. Um, I, it kind of makes the me
1: top think... waist up. I love it. Mm-hmm. The skirt is a lot for me.
0: Yeah, it's kind of Lolita. And maybe I'm just saying that because it's a manga, but that's kind mm-hmm. of what I'm like leaning towards if I had to think about, you know, some of the style choices there but also rochester's wearing his best like 80s frill i'm going to prom shirt and (laughs) and he's got shoulder pads in there my guy because
1: his chest was always broad but that's real broad (laughs) no he looks amazing
0: it's very cute they have Um, the
1: fully empty church which i always love
0: yes (laughs) um Dick Mason is a little, little pansy, won't He's even come just into the church. Such
1: a baby. <laughs> it, the the s- panel specifically that has The Marriage Cannot Go On, I Declare the Existence of a pe- an Impediment, thrillingly done. Mm-hmm. Church door slam open, the silhouette of a stranger, perfect.
0: Very good. Very good. And I do love to, you were talking earlier about Jane's reactions. I think this is a great way to show someone actually like genuinely reacting to like this kind of news on your wedding day at the altar before you're about to take your vows. Because in so many things, she doesn't speak, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't see many actresses like, you know, having a big, except for that one lady in the black and white one who's like, what? The 49. That's 49, that was exactly
1: the comparison that I thought of, is it's very much the face that is made in the 49, <laughs> but in a way that makes sense. Because it's an exaggerated expression to express her internal feelings. Yes. And not the actual face that we're supposed to think Jane is making.
0: Yes. It's um they made her anime eyes even larger. Again, it's the dilated pupil look that makes it be mm-hmm. like uh, my world has just been shook. <laughs> like what's happening? And the poor scene where they
1: come back and Adele and Mrs. Fairfax are throwing the petals and Roger's just
0: like, You guys suck! <laughs> <laughs> everybody else's fault i'm so mad that part in every version when they do that it makes me sad because i'm always like you're so mean <laughs> like how awkward and weird if you're like hooray and then the guy's like rah, 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 rah.
1: but immediately after that i loved how they did bertha in this
2: mm-hmm. um, want to describe
1: her so she's fully like on the floor just like very book accurate mm-hmm. she's on the floor. She's very, like, m- like, has that kind of monster vibe. Her hair is, like, wild. She's literally gurring like mm-hmm. an animal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then Grace yells out the, like, she sees you. Rochester steps in front of Jane, cute. Um, and then she attacks him. Like, she jumps on him um, like an animal and tries to bite his face. And they have to tie her to the chair. But it feels more like real in a way that every time we've seen something like that in the movies, I'm always like, no, I don't like it. I don't Mm -hmm. like that you did that. We're here with this style. I think it fits.
0: Yeah. And I also, um, so we literally have a panel where she has her arms around his neck and her teeth are like Mm -hmm. at his cheek. Like she's literally biting him, but the way they've drawn his expression is this kind of look of restraint. Like Mm -hmm. he it hurts him, but he's not like rah, like you know, fighting back with wild passion. And I think it makes me think of what I love in the I wanted one of the old C. Bible Scott? movies, yeah, Scott, no. um, yeah, uh, how he kind of like you know, very calmly and tiredly mm-hmm. and sadly sort of deals with his like violent wife. I kind of see that in the way that this is mm-hmm. drawn, and that's how I want to see Rochester being like. I understand that you're not in your right headspace, and I'm not going to fight you, but also, ouch, don't <laughs> bite my face. <laughs> Guys, listen, Brother, we've talked about it. That hurts. It's good. Biting it honestly, hurts. okay, not to compare her to an animal because that's not cool. She's a human being, but it honestly makes me think of like how you feel at least. I have a a cat who sometimes gets bitey and it's like, I still love you. But I'm also like, I'm like, you need to stop this right now. You're being so mean to me. Like she'll just like bite my calves. And I'm like, ow.
1: One time recently, Ruth was trying to move a blanket and she, she didn't realize that my foot was under there and she got me real good. And I yelled (laughs) and she looked at me like, what?
0: You feel blankets? (laughs) You're like there's a part of me under there. I know you didn't know that, but ow! Please go off. So yeah, yeah.
1: And then I think they do. They only do one page for Jane being in her room and sad, Mm -hmm. but they capture it so well. Yeah. Um. And room feels very empty.
0: She looks very small in the room. Mm -hmm. Lots of good again visual storytelling. I love that we get a scene where he carries her. Very cute. Very cute. This is a version, by the way, I think one of the only adaptations we've seen where he mentions the other uh, women. Mm -hmm. So well done for sticking to the accuracy. It is a really, it is a very, very book accurate
1: book. The the only I mentioned, I can't remember if this was before we started recording or after. I think it has to have been after. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Sometimes you record a podcast with your best friend and you talk to her sometimes also, and it's hard to keep track the one I think the idea that like we know this book well enough to notice the one word differences between certain lines um it is during the Bertha confrontation scene that I picked up on that um because he has the line, "This is my wife, such is the sole embrace that I am ever to know." Mm-hmm. Guys, it's conjugal embrace.
0: It's so
1: embarrassing.
0: <laughs> yeah, they made a couple of little changes. He can hug
1: whoever he wants, but he can only fuck one person.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> um, I like this line too, that like a few pages after, or a few pages into the explanation scene. So he's mentioned this, these other ladies. He's just kind of like doing a bit of a ramble, like trying to explain himself. And there's a speech bubble that they give Jane where she says, Don't talk anymore of those days, sir. And I think, honestly, in this, the way I interpret this scene particularly is he's very much kind of like he's getting off course. He's just kind of starting to ramble to be like, come on, man, like, I'm not a bad guy. Right. And she's like, "Okay, you need to stop talking about this. He's like, oh, yeah, totally. No. Who cares about the past? Let's focus on the future. And she's like, "Mm, no, no, I still got to get out of (laughs) here. And they
1: capture that inner monologue that she has that we we just can't do Mm -hmm. in the other adaptions where he's talking about these other women and it's reflecting back to that conversation they had right after they got engaged where she's like, you're going to be over me in a year, even though we know that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just, he's talking about how he, he has so much regret and hates recollecting those times. And she says, I feel the truth of those words. Mm -hmm. And then kind of goes on to talk about the fact that if she stays here, because it is interesting to me to think about if he hadn't talked about it in that way, if she felt like he would love her forever would she have chosen to stay as his mistress because she's saying she would have no guarantee that he mm-hmm. would do that and so she has she knows that it would be a lie and she has to leave
0: yeah and as she sneaks out in the night thornfield gives her one more kick in the pants before she goes and Which makes is, her trip on a pebble and fall flat on her face in the way see
1: out thornfield in the background and her she's fully she doesn't like
0: trip and fall a little bit she lands on her face. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't let the door hit you on the way out, Jane. <laughs> oh, and then we watch her walk around in the mud. Yeah, I want to skip over most of <clears throat> that Sinjin stuff. was
1: there. They did a great job. I hate him.
0: Yeah, he is drawn in a very pretty anime style. So it works Mm -hmm. with the whole like, oh, he had that Roman profile and he was so hot, but so obsessed with God. (laughs) So it was a big turn off. He
1: was was always like patting my head like I was a child and his (laughs) nuts were right there and I could have just kicked him in the dick, but I never did. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um i think honestly one of my favorite scenes of all time and it's kind of jumping to the end but i have to talk about it because we're talking about sinjin i think the best panel in this book sinjin dying is when he's in india and he's like on his knees praying and in the background there's like these little huts and these kids are throwing rocks at him (laughs) and i'm like yeah get him they're like please stop trying to convert us you awful man get out of our country (laughs) He's yeah, it's it is.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that, the, the specific order of the flat ending scenes. Um, But I really love how they did the um, Sinjin doing his final aggressive gaslighting proposal. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is the way it feels very similar to how it was in the book but where he says like hey I'm going to leave for a few days and I want you to think about marrying me and he's like or you could decide to marry me right now. And then she said where I convinced um where I but convinced that it was God's will I could vow to marry you here and now afterwards come what would. And he just takes that as an acceptance as yes. of his proposal. Yeah. And she's like I don't think that's what I said. But (laughs) Sinjin has enough arrogance that he thinks that it is what she
0: said.
2: Mm -hmm. I
0: hate Sinjin. Now he's the worst. Also, they gave him a lot of very dramatic poses and drawings. And I think mm-hmm. one of my favorite is when he has the line where it's like, you are not made for love or whatever. Yes. Okay, let's see if I can find that one. Here it is. It's so dramatic where he says, you are formed uh, for labor, not love. And it's like, he is like rising above her with like the sun shining behind him, like asshole on high. Yes. <laughs> um, and then while he's hugging her,
1: Um, she's praying like, please, can this not (laughs) be, God, I would love a sign. The sign could be, no, thank you. Um, and then we see just a dark panel that has the word Jane in it. And it's beautiful.
0: Jane, Jane, Jane. And then
1: Jane, like a halo over her head, which I really enjoyed. It's
0: great. Um, I'm coming. We wrap up the, like getting back there, learning the truth with just some kind of like summary panels um and so they briefly show like the house burning and Bertha jumping, but then we I get right.
1: Bertha the Bertha standing on the roof was so interesting to me because mm-hmm. obviously most of our thornfields have those flat roofs. Yeah. Um, and so this one has a peaked roof
0: mm-hmm. and she
1: is standing on the peaked roof, holding on to like a spire at the top of this roof. Yeah. And Rochester is also on that other side of that roof. And it just makes that whole moment more dramatic. And we see the crazy in her eyes as she falls.
0: Yeah. No, she's oh. like, woohoo, here I go. <laughs> Jumping into the fire, loving it. She goes out on her own terms, as any good Bertha does. That's page 290, just in case anybody has this book and wants to know what we're talking about. So then we have a cute one-handed man, and his hair is long and romantic, and he's in the rain. And there's lots of, again, these scenes of close-ups on the hand touches, the face Mm -hmm. strokes.
1: And there's an incredible panel. Let me get the right one in front of P. Cleavy. Mm -hmm. That.
0: Well, oh, yeah, she realizes he's blind and she's waving her hand in front of his eyes <laughs> to be like, Hello, can you see me? Hi, it's me, it's Jane! Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the funny moments, like, just popped in. It's very cute. It's so cute. And I like that they, I like that he immediately
1: shows yeah. her wearing him with him wearing the necklace. All adaptions should have him wearing the necklace. Yeah. It's so good. He pulls it off.
0: Yeah, he really does. He looks beautiful once again. He looks so good. He's cross dresser. It's cool. We love him for it. He's just a little more gender fluid than we're okay with admitting. Dude, it's fine. I'm okay with admitting it. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, collectively as a society, we're not ready to admit that Jane, that J- Rochester just is like not, he's, he's sh-
0: shucked all of those societal constructs, including gender guys. Seriously. He's out here for it. He's like, Jane, what if for funsies you dress up as me and I dress up as you? And She's like, I'm already picking out the outfits. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Um, so, but they do such
1: a lovely little wrap up.
0: Yeah, we have hair combing. We have hugs from behind. He's being a moody boy. We have lap sits and snugs. And they're Here's- like, all right, let's do this thing. And then they're getting married. And there's Adele. And there's the doggy. And good thing Cinchin's getting rocks thrown at him by little Indian kids. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, they do. Mo-
1: it's the one major plot change they made at the end, which is they do Sinjin and then Rochester gets his sight back because the actual book Jane Eyre ends on Sinjin.
0: Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. No, seriously. Um, We're like, we'd rather have the
1: cute family moment. Here's a question I have for you. Yes. Rochester immediately post fire. No eye patch. Mm -hmm. Rochester final panels eye patch. Yeah. He only got the sight back in one eye and they decided to cover up the blind one.
0: Maybe the other one got infected and fell out. (laughs) And they couldn't afford a glass eye, so they're like, hey, patch time. Perfect. Love it. Or, you know, I think probably because these two are very good at communicating their wants and desires. I think probably Jane told him that she's like, you know, I've always had a thing for pirates and he instantly (laughs) appeared with an eye patch and she's like, wow, that was fast. And he's like, yarg, baby. (laughs) In my head canon
1: of this description, it's fully Toby Stevens as Rochester and then fully Toby Stevens from Black Sails coming (laughs) (laughs)
0: He disappears there and he's like, well, hello.
1: (laughs) You like this look? And she's like, honestly,
0: yeah. She's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like it. I I feel
1: good about my choice to marry you.
0: (laughs) So this has been Jane Eyre the manga. Hooray. We did it. We got to rate it. We got to rate it. You should go first. I feel like I've gone first the last few times.
1: I need to go first, so I I have a chance to think about it. (laughs) 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 Hee hee. I think I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a classic, 9 out of 10 pilots. Very cute. I like it.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm going to go with also 9 out of 10, and I'm going to say fortune tellers. Nice. Yeah. Because we're changing Um, up our vocabulary to be better. So Yeah. Mm. And we appreciate the people who patiently
1: educate us instead of going, you suck. (laughs) I mean, you can – if we do something truly worth yelling at us that, please do. And frankly – Using a slur kind of falls in that category, but it's very nice (laughs) when you do it in a nice way.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, if you are a fan of art, which, by the way, I thought about this, especially when they were talking about her, like, doing art classes and teaching Adele and showing off her works. I'm sure actual Jane Eyre would love a graphic novel and a manga because she is an artist herself. I feel like Charlotte Bronte would love this. Yeah, probably. Um, So if you guys like art and different mediums and fun ways to interpret uh, beloved stories, you got to check out the Jane Eyre manga, 9 out of 10 for both of us. Also, if you have
1: somebody you've been trying to get to read Jane Eyre and they're mm -hmm. like, I'm just not like a classic literature person, which is the voice that everybody uses. It's not that they're dumb. That's just their voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Have them read this. It's a lot easier to get into and it's really, really book accurate.
0: Absolutely. Uh, If you guys want to share your favorite uh, manga scenes, anime clips, uh, funny gifs, and chibi action figures, you can share them with us on social. We are at AirBuds on all the major platforms. You can also write us lengthy emails describing your favorite weeb activities. Uh, You can send those emails to airbuds at gmail.com.
1: If you are excited about what we're doing next week, we are going to be... Um doing the 2016 BBC radio adaption. Uh, we have found what I believe is a full version of it that we have no reason to believe was stolen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're gonna listen to that on YouTube. And um <laughs> then we also have so we have been doing books roughly once a month for the last chunk of time since we finished January. Um we have it on our schedule for a few weeks from now. Um, and by that, I mean a time in the future that I'm not going to determine because we get to read a book at whatever pace we feel like, guys. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a bunch of books that have been recommended by listeners. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're reading the best ones, and also the ones that you guys want to hear us talk about. So just like our palate cleansers, we're going to start doing book surveys at the end of our book episodes. So we have four that we're going to be using this time. There's a couple, there's like one that came out super recently called Jane and Edward. Um, There's one that's a pretty different adaptation, uh, Reader I Murdered Him, that's about Adele, actually. So um, all of those will be up this week so that you can vote uh if you want to be a patron you get five times the vote as other beans um it's counts as five times as much so that is great thank you katie we love you katie hi katie um, we love you Katie's our Jane. we love you if you would like mm-hmm. to be thanked every week it's only 15 dollars and we'll say we thank you we love you so much Every
0: week, <laughs> katie you are so kawaii desu why when will you notice us katie senpai <laughs>
1: Those were words I didn't know.
0: (laughs) I think they were Japanese. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we've got um, quizzes, art, behind the scenes, videos, photos, all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, the power to influence voting. So, Mm. hey. You can also vote on
1: all of our social platforms, including YouTube. Um, I know I said this a few weeks ago, but we are so close to 100 subscribers on youtube you guys and we have a lot more like viewers than that it's just hard to get people to subscribe and i just want the hundred please give it to
0: me because begging is always an effective (laughs) tool
1: here's the thing it does work we usually (laughs) get a bunch more subscribers after i beg dramatically on the podcast Oh my
0: gosh. Um, well, I'm going to salvage. I'm going to pick up these little pieces of dignity from the floor. I'm going to give them back to Lillian. And, I had dignity left? Uh, yeah, they just, I think they like fell out of your hair like dandruff. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> we love you so much. Happy Jane Eyre reading, watching, manga reading. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. The you don't have it. Your, your <laughs> hair's luscious. <laughs>